welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice to proven bowhunting tactics and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian Bird. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and as always, we're glad that you've taken some time to be with us today for a very special show with uh, not just a bowhunting celebrity, but somebody who seems to become uh, quite a big name in the world of uh, television uh, at large, and that's Eva Shockey, uh, co-host of uh, Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures on Outdoor Channel, and all sorts of other amazing stuff that's going on in the industry. Eva, thanks so much for being with me. No problem. Thanks for having me on here. Uh, I guess I should also mention, uh, first and foremost, that you have a brand new book coming out, Taking Aim, Daring to be Different, Happier, and Healthier in the Great Outdoors. Your very own autobiography comes out August 29th. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's been it has been a lot of work to write a book, which I I don't know what I was expecting, but it's been a lot harder than I thought. But it it'll be very nice to, for that August twenty ninth date to get here. Yeah, um, you know, I actually have a question. Being a, a magazine editor and a writer and a, a print guy, you know, um, so AJ Gregory, I see on the cover here. So I assume you worked with him. I always wonder when you have books like this. You know, you talk about all the work. You know. How much of the book, you know, did you really write yourself? How much do those other writers help people out when you put this together? Tell me a little bit about the process. Yeah, so AJ Gregory, she's actually a woman. She's incredible. One of my favorite people on earth. She's done some other really amazing books as well. And when I went into the process, because she's there to help write it, I was thinking, oh, this won't be that hard. You know, I'll just tell her some stuff and we'll get it together and we'll make a book. (laughs) And then I realized that there's a lot more detail involved in that. So she was instrumental in kind of um, organizing my thoughts and organizing my message of, I said, we sat down for a week straight all day long for seven days and she just grilled me and questioned everything and asked everything and asked what my messages are and what I believe in and all these stories that happened to me and what was happening in them and um, she was the one where there's so much that I wanted to say she really knocked it out as far as she broke it into chapters and said okay this is this is what we're going to talk about here we're going to talk about this here and here so it was a lot of work from both of our ends and she I probably wouldn't, well, I 100% would not be sitting here with a finished book today if she hadn't been there to assist in it, but um, I would say that I did a lot more work on the book than I thought I would based on the fact I had someone helping me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I mean, books, there's just a lot, there's a lot of detail and you obviously, it's, it's written in there and it's bound and being sold and you can't be messing up details and having mistakes. It's not like a social media post that just goes down the news feed and is gone, you know, it's, it's around for good. So it was, we took it very seriously and we really made our best effort to make sure there weren't any mistakes or anything wrong within the chapters. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, how long did it take to put all this together? I mean, when did you start work on this project? I started, well, we talked about it for quite a while, and it was something actually for years I've always considered as something I wanted to do. I just never really, 
I couldn't quite find the time to do it. And I just also was like, I'm not really sure why I would do it at this point. And I decided actually right when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, Lenny, that was the same week I started writing it because I just thought that was the perfect time. First of all, I'm pregnant at the time. So I thought I would have a lot more time at home. I wouldn't be traveling quite as much because I wouldn't be able to near the end. And also I thought it was something that sort of the opposite of social media that I normally do, you know, this is lasting forever. This is something that's going to be bound. My daughter can pick it up in 20 years and read my stories and see how instrumental she was in the process is just because I want to spread the word and I want to pass it to future generations. And that was a perfect example of, okay, this is the time to do it. And then I, so I started it the week I found out I was pregnant and I actually finished writing the last chapter, um, the week I was due with her. So I guess the whole pregnancy and then, and then since then that was in January, since then we've just been working for the last seven or eight months on all the edits and final versions and meetings and all that. And August 29th is the official launch day where it'll be in Stores. That is so awesome. And, you know, pretty cool uh, picture on the cover of the book there. You know, you're standing there with your your Bowtech uh, Eva Shockey signature series bow. Um, you know, that's some pretty cool exposure for, uh, you know, for archery and, and bow hunting. Um what is the message that you're trying to get out there with this book? Is it just hunting stories? Or is it, you know, inspiration? I looked at it a little bit. It seems like you really kind of have a lot of positive messages in here for hunters and non-hunters. Yes, it was is definitely designed to appeal to hunters and non-hunters and which was very challenging to do because you wanted to explain things so that hunters weren't bored so you can't over explain them but then people that have never picked up a gun or a bow or been in the woods they also need to understand what you're talking about so when you say you can't just mention a tree stand and then brush right by it and expect everyone to know what that is because honestly people don't know what a tree stand is so there was definitely it was a fine line that I had to walk the whole entire book but it's meant just exactly what you're saying. It's meant to inspire people to do what it is that they love, encourage them to push past, push past the stereotypes and the naysayers and the people that think, you know, you're not supposed to be doing that or you're a girl, so you shouldn't do that. And just do whatever it is that they're passionate about and go for it basically. And I want people, if, if they read the whole book and close the last page of the book, I want them to feel inspired to do what it is and follow their heart. Absolutely. And you know, what about the whole, um, seems like you talk quite a bit to other women and maybe uh, young girls who might be interested in the outdoors or just needing like a little bit of a boost to their confidence or the belief in themselves of accomplishing their, their goals and reaching their dreams. Uh, would you say that the book is geared, you know, mainly toward a female audience or, or for everybody? That's a tough question because it wasn't intended to be just for females by any means, I would say, but because the book is written in my own voice and it is real life stories of my childhood, my upbringing, my, the life lessons and stuff that I would, I'm trying to pass on to other people and maybe learn from my mistakes. It's probably easy to relate for a lot of females to hear that, to hear that voice and hear that perspective. But at the same time, I mean, there's a lot of adventures and stories and hunts and 
stuff about my dad and stuff about, you know, the different things that how I was raised and things that I think anyone would, it would appeal to anybody. It's not, it's not just for females. It's not lessons that only appeal, appeal to girls in any, any way. It's sort of just about empowerment and, you yeah, know, let's, let's, lifting your expectations of yourself. Sure. And let's talk, talk about it a little bit because really, I mean, the book, you know, tells kind of a cool story where, of course, within, you know, our community, you know, inside the hunting community, most folks know, you know, who you are, uh, probably and almost for sure who your dad is, because, uh, you know, Jim has accomplished so much uh, in hunting, both as a as an outfitter, and as a hunter. And then, of course, in the media with his various uh, television um, projects. So, um, but really, you know, you grew up like wanting to be a ballerina. So, and you know, your mom was a dancer. And so your journey to be, you know, an icon of the bow hunting world was not something that you necessarily saw coming as you were growing up. No, I, I definitely did not. And even when I first started, so I grew up going on trips and going on hunting adventures and being there in my dad's world, um, but not necessarily being a hunter myself. That was something we just did as a family, though. So we'd go all together and we'd have make it a family trip, but really it would be a hunting trip for him. And over the years, I finally... People ask me a lot, why didn't I hunt when I was younger? And the truth really is because I didn't know any females that hunted. I didn't, I lived in Canada. We didn't have a lot of outdoor programs at the time. I didn't know any females personally. My mom was a dancer and very feminine and classy and graceful. And I always thought, well, if I want to be a lady like my mom, I, I should do what she does. And by no means was I getting pushed that way. I just thought like, that's probably what I should be doing. I shouldn't be out hunting with my dad and being one of the boys. And I really thought I had to choose. And so I did go and I, I to this day, I love dance equal to hunting pretty much. I, I just love it. It's something that's within me, but I grew up and I was dancing, I was competing and t- teaching dance. And then finally I actually had the confidence within myself and nothing had really changed externally, but I had the confidence to say, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to be a certain kind of person to like to hunt. I want to hunt. I've always wanted to hunt. And now I have the ability, I'm going to go try it. And I don't, I can still be a dancer and I can wear makeup and I can be feminine and classy and I can still go hunting and I don't need to apologize or choose one or the other. And that's, that was really the moment that I kind of felt empowered myself. And I would have loved to have some role models when I was younger female hunters say, you know, you can hunt and you don't have to apologize for it. And that's, I think that's what pushes me today to try to get that message out there. Cause I would love any little girl out there or a little boy or anybody to say, Oh, well, if you can do it, I can do it. You know, and you don't have to apologize for being a certain kind of person and still loving the outdoors. Yeah, absolutely. Now does your mom hunt? Has she ever? Uh, she does not hunt. She was actually, when her and my dad met, she was a vegetarian ballerina, like the most opposite of a hunter you could probably get. And uh, she she was not a vegetarian for very long once they met and got married, but she does not have hunting in her whatsoever, no intention of hunting, never has, never will. And that's actually been something that's been a positive thing for me because it showed me, and I really do believe it, that hunting is not for everybody. And I, you'll never catch me trying to persuade people to hunt. I believe that, you know, hunting is 
for certain people that they have that in them and my mom doesn't have it in her and I know there's a lot of people that don't but what everyone should have is the understanding of what hunting's about and appreciate that hunting is a good thing for conservation and providing and all that the reasons why we all hunt so that's I try to get that message you have to understand it and you have to respect it but you don't have to do it yourself absolutely and it sounds like we could have a whole show just trying to figure out how your parents ever got together but we we don't have we don't have time for all that but that's pretty cool well if you read the book you'll if you read the book you'll find find exactly how it happened there you go a little bit of a tease and you know for those who don't realize you know you grew up in canada tell folks a little bit about you know the area where you grew up and all the crazy wild places that your dad you know dragged you even before you know you were a hunter so we grew up on it's called vancouver island it's an island off the west coast of canada so when you get basically out to the american equivalent of seattle you get all the way to the west coast and then it's an island off the west coast so we were we were pretty far out there and we grew up on property on the lake so i grew up out in the fields playing with frogs and finding mice and critters and whatever you know i was barely ever ever inside was never allowed to watch tv i mean we just loved we loved being outdoors from the from the start and my dad, he started when I was born, or I guess when I was born, he was still an antique dealer. So he had antique stores and they were really amazing, incredible stores that actually there's a bunch of stories in the book. I'll let you in on one quick little one. Uh, Ralph Lauren was a client of his and he came into his stores one day and said he was starting a new Ralph Lauren furniture line across the state and wanted to buy out every piece my dad had because he loved my dad's style. And so my dad had three antique warehouses and Ralph Lauren bought everything in one swoop and my dad actually used that money to go buy his bear territory and he kind of transitioned into the hunting world um, from just a hobby into an actual career and that was the first step so we grew up we had our bear territory on the Vancouver Island where we lived um, eventually he moved in got his moose territory in the Yukon and we just went whenever he would go on hunts and stuff that were family friendly relatively we would all go we'd go into our camper or motorhome and <laughs> go on a big family adventure and I honestly didn't know those kind of trips were weird I, I just thought that's what families did and then as I got older I started realizing like all my friends are going to Disneyland or to all inclusive Mexican resorts and I'm going to I don't even know Timbuktu in a trailer with <laughs> for a month stay with my family and I look back and I, I really appreciate that my parents did that and let us experience those things that were so different from what most families got to do yeah and you tell some cool stories in the book like I, I was looking at one earlier today about like how your dad came home early from a hunt and you were super excited to see him but then you realized he smelled like raw meat and it was kind of weird but kind of cool too <laughs> so every kid should grow up with a yeah, dad well, who smells like raw meat <laughs> <laughs> you just you just when you're young i mean you have no expectations and no standards of what family a normal quote-unquote normal family is and i really did i mean we would have we would have bears hanging in our backyard or I mean off a hook where might have be skinning or we'd have moose quarters on the carport on tarps or we'd have many 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 times I would come home and there'd be a skull boiling in a pot in the in the carport on the counter in a big pot like boiling out the skull to do a European mount and I just never really thought twice about it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, I'm at home. This is my normal home. And then I just, like I said, as I got older, I was like, wait a minute. This, 
my parent, my friends' parents that are doctors or construction workers. I mean, they don't they don't have skulls boiling in their in their cardboard. So, but I appreciate it. I think I wouldn't change it for anything. Sure. And so, even though you grew up around all this, it wasn't until after college, right, that you actually asked your dad to to go on a hunt of your own, right? And I think if I remember correctly from the book, it was like 2009 that you killed your first animal. Am I right? Yeah, my first big game animal. It was. It wasn't kind of back to the whole thing of when I was younger. I didn't. I didn't hunt because I didn't really realize it was okay for girls to hunt. Even though it was never my dad saying, "Oh, girls don't hunt," or my mom saying, "Girls don't hunt." It was just in my head. I thought I don't know anybody, so I I shouldn't try it. So I hunted little things like gophers and that kind of thing when I was little. But and grew up shooting guns and bows, but never actually hunted until I finished college. I came home from university, graduated with a business degree, and. And I actually intended, um, sort of a longer story around about, I had done my university degree in Australia and I was intending to live there. I was, I was applying for a work visa and I was going to stay there and do a business, some kind of career down there because I loved it. And I came home and I said, you know what, I want to try hunting because if I go to Australia and start a career and maybe meet someone and have a family in Australia, which in hindsight would have been very sad because it would have been so far, but I would have always regretted not trying what my dad loved so much. And I also really wanted to see if I would, could be a hunter because I wanted to fill my freezer with, with wild game because I had grown up with wild game. And I, when I went away from my family's house, I realized you can't buy wild game at the grocery store. So you have to have beef. And I, I just wanted to know where my meat came from. Um, so I came home and I asked my dad to take me, hunting and I remember his face his jaw almost dropped to the floor it was like a cartoon character (laughs) after 20 years I finally said I wanted to try it wow and so what was your your first hunt uh what, what did you kill um, it was actually in South Africa, only for the reason because my dad already was going over there, and I think he was so set on once I said I wanted to try it, he wanted to make sure I didn't change my mind. He was going over there about a month later, and he, that afternoon, changed one of his trips, booked me over with him, brought my mom with him, too, to make sure that it was all set in stone so I couldn't go back on it. Um, so we went to South Africa, and I my first animal I got was a warthog, because even at that point, it was mostly to me about wanted to fill my freezer or see if I, you know, could be a hunter. Cause I, I didn't really know if I'd be able to pull the trigger cause I'd never done it before. And so I said, I wanted to get something that's not super beautiful and majestic over in Africa. I wanted to get something kind of a little uglier. And that was <laughs> a warthog is what worked perfectly for me. Sure. And then, uh, that was with a, a gun, I assume. It was, yeah. That was. I actually learned how to hunt with a muzzleloader, and I hunted with a muzzleloader for the first probably four years exclusively until I switched over to a rifle and a bow. Gotcha. So tell me about bow hunting then, and how that came along, and and uh, to, you know what was your first bow hunt, and and why did you decide to start doing that? Um, I grew up shooting bows a little bit. It was something we did for fun in my backyard. My brother had a bow and I had a bow. 
the first trip to Africa that I went on when I went hunting, I actually did bring a bow, not for the purpose of hunting with it on my first trip, but just to practice with it and get used to it. And there's lots of downtime when you're in Africa hunting. So we'd shoot in the afternoons. And I remember shooting and I had nothing to compare it to, but I remember shooting, I think it was at 20 yards. And I mean, I was grouping like an inch or two inches, two inch groups. And my dad kept saying, oh my goodness, you're a good shot. And he was saying it, but he was so over the top about it. I really kept thinking he was exaggerating. He was trying to make me feel good. And I was like, oh, I must be not a good shot. He's trying to make me make up for, you know, my, my poor aim. And I learned later on that I actually was a good shot. And that was before I had any bad habits, which I've now developed. So now I don't always group like that. But it was something that I, I've tried for a long time. I think I practiced and shot for about five years before ever even going on a hunt. And then I think I hunted with my bow for two or three seasons before actually shooting anything with my bow because just because you go out with a bow doesn't mean you're going to get a chance at something within your comfort zone of distance. Um, and I finally, what was the first thing? I, I got a white-tailed deer with my bow for the first time and shortly after I got a black bear. And that was a turning point because that feeling, if for any of the bow hunters out there listening, that feeling they'll understand is really like nothing else you can compare it to in your life. And even just last week, I was sitting with my husband and my dad, and my husband was a professional NHL player. So he played in NHL arenas with huge groups of fans and, you know, whatever, a lot of pressure. And he even was saying that there's no feeling like bow hunting with that buck walking and you draw back with your bow that moment what your body is going through and your emotions that are going through your system there's nothing like that that you can compare it to so once I started bow hunting and getting I I felt that for the first time I was kind of hooked and then I still do gun hunt I probably gun hunt and bow hunt 50-50 so I switch back and forth but I love both of them they both have different uh, aspects that I love about them yeah. So let's, you know, you've, you've kind of been like a, a, almost a phenomenon within our industry because, you know, when, when we think about it, you know, if we say, you know, you really started hunting in 2009, uh, you know, a few years after that before you started bow hunting. And here you've gone from, you know, somebody who maybe was, you know, relatively unknown to now having like 1.7 million followers on social media. Do I have that right, Eva? <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's impressive. I know I looked at your Facebook page. I think you've got 1.2 million right there. How did this happen? Like, it's been like a meteoric rise in um, just attracting, you know, such a great following and having such a amazing visibility. Yeah, it's it's. Really, it hasn't been intentional. It was kind of like going on a TV show. I started hunting because I wanted to try hunting, and I just was myself on the show, and I made it very obvious. I didn't know what I was doing. I was trying to learn. I was interested, but, like, I mean, I'm by no means an expert, and to this day, I still, I say the exact same thing. I mean, there is a million people out there. There are a million people that are way more experienced than me, way better shots than me, way better shape than me. I mean, whatever the, whatever the thing is, but... I just love doing it. I love being out there. It's, I'm passionate about it. It makes me inspired every time I'm out in the woods. And I just like sharing that because I think people in their lives, they have room for some positive messages these days. There's not a lot out there that they can go find. And I think people are also ready for a little bit of a change as far as, I mean, 
like I said, I, I don't pretend I'm an expert or say I'm an expert because I know I'm not. I just love it. And they, I think people like to be able to relate to somebody like that. Like, well, if Eva can do it, I can do it. If Eva can shoot her bow at 20 and learn how to hunt at 20, then I can do it at 40 or 60 or seven, you know, whatever. And it's just been amazing to see the response of people there and to also realize how many hunters there are out there. There's so many positive people that have the same passions as I do and I get to relate to them and I get to talk to them. And I know I don't, might not know them personally, but they feel like they know me and that's awesome because when I see them then they get to talk to me like we're friends and that's, that's my favorite thing. I feel like I have friends all over the world. Yeah, that it is awesome to be a part of the hunting, you know, community, and it, there is a bond there for sure. You can, like, like you said, you know, it's. I saw actually a really funny meme on Facebook the other day. It was like uh, this guy just sitting on like a like a hanging porch swing all by himself, and this the text said, "When you're at a party, and nobody else is a hunter." <laughs> And he was just like, you know, all by himself, all alone. <laughs> it's so true, though, isn't it? Because you could be at a party yeah. where you don't know anybody else, but then you'll find out somebody else there is a hunter. And it's like you're instantly you've known each other all your lives and you start talking. And it's those common experiences and passions, the love of nature and the animals and the challenge and the feeling of accomplishment and the, you know, some of the struggles or the stupid hair, harebrained haywire things that go wrong out there on your hunts. And, and we can all relate to that even though you know we haven't experienced exactly the same things um i I would think yeah and a big a big part of oh sorry no go ahead oh i was just gonna say i think a big part of why i have a lot of people on there that are really active on my page and they're really engaged is because to me it's a lifestyle everything i do in my life is sort of related or something to do with the outdoors and loving the outdoors. So I, I mean, I work out for the purpose of hunting season so I can hike up the mountain. I cook meat or I go hunting, I guess, so that I can fill my freezer and then I cook meat and prepare wild game. I post about that. I have a family. I just had my first daughter. Um, and for me, hunting is very much family oriented and about bringing your family outdoors and passing it down to the next generation. So everything really that I'm posting about is some aspect of the outdoor hunting lifestyle and people, whether they're hunters or whether they're not hunters, I actually have a lot of people following me that they say, we don't even hunt, but we just like seeing your life. And I think that's a really cool thing and a positive thing for the industry because you don't, like I said, you don't have to be a hunter. You just have to see what we as hunters do and understand it and respect it, that we're doing positive for this world we're helping conservation we're raising money for conservation wildlife management and we're living a healthy happy lifestyle and it's something i'm very proud of yeah and another thing that you touched on is you know the fact that you didn't ever try to to be somebody that you weren't and i think that's you know that genuineness is probably a big part of your appeal um you know sometimes we hear criticisms of uh you know particularly sometimes over the last 10 years as more and more women have become visible in the industry you know you hear criticisms at times well you know she's not really a hunter or she's only on there because you know she's attractive or something like that but as you said you don't try to come out you know especially 
especially at the beginning and say, well, you know, I'm the biggest expert in the world. And I think that genuineness, and I'm sure you see this in the people that you have come to you, whether it's at an outdoor show, uh, through a, you know, a message on your Facebook page or whatever, that's very approachable to other people who might not be experts either, but they're interested. They've seen what you've done and it's inspired them a little bit. And maybe they feel a little bit more comfortable coming to somebody that they know, hey, she hasn't been doing this for that long either. And look at everything she's been able to accomplish. And that might be a little less intimidating than going up to somebody like your dad, who's been doing it for 50 years and has forgotten more about hunting than most of us will ever know. <laughs> I've never heard of it that way, but yeah, I'm sure he has. Although he has a memory that's just crazy. The things that he remembers, I have to go ask him about because, I mean, they just kind of go in and out of my head. And he has memories of just the smallest details. If it's hunting related, he can recall it. And it's, it's incredible. But yeah, I think... I think just kind of being down to earth and I mean, I honestly, I, I do it. I don't do it to be fake or pretend that like I'm trying to be humble. I, I believe it. I mean, I just love, I love being out there. I love the outdoors. And obviously I know a lot about hunting and I, I'm familiar with a lot of things that maybe some people aren't, but there's also, I have a handful of girls I can list right now that could out shoot me out, hike me out, whatever. But I don't really feel like I need to be competitive with them. I just love doing it. I love sharing it. I love promoting it and that's I think that's a really good thing when you can have people that are all they're not there's not a lot of female and females in the industry that are trying to cut other people down they're just out there saying oh if she's doing it I'm doing it we're all you don't have to look like a certain way or be from a certain place or be a male or female or a certain age to say that you love hunting you can just love hunting it doesn't matter if the person besides you also loves hunting you don't have to beat them at it you're just you're all on the same team yeah absolutely and just a quick follow-up on that so you mentioned you know all these people you could name real quick like off the top of your head who are the who are the few other ladies you know in, in the industry that you really look up to or relate to and, and think have you know kind of do a great job out there um one person in particular that i right from the start i was familiar with her and everyone out there that are that are hunters probably are familiar with her too tiffany lukowski um from the crush her and her husband lee she was someone and i read about this in my book she was the first person in the industry to really welcome me and i think how she reacted to me joining the industry could have really affected my decision to stay within it or not. Because when I came in, I was thinking, I'm, I'm always very aware of how other people see me and like, I, I don't want to impose or overstep my boundaries. And I, I do that sort of just in general. But when I came into the industry, I had this feeling, I said, I don't want Tiff to feel like I'm coming in and trying to bump her out or anything. Like that's not my intention. And I know that's probably isn't a real thing but in my head I was concerned about that and the first time I saw her after my first episode had come out on my dad's show she came up gave me a big hug and genuinely was so excited that I was decided to hunt that I was with my dad that I was going to be at all the shows with her and she was just really happy and I just remember being a little bit shocked and now that I know her I mean I wouldn't be shocked at all because she's so sweet but at the time I just thought well this is so nice because you know it's not catty there's all these women are just supporting each other and that really is still what it's like and she's someone that I'm very good friends with now we text almost every day um, and she's someone that's inspired me right from the beginning and she's an incredible hunter on top of all that plus just being a great person that's awesome you know one thing uh, one more thing about the book before we move on to a couple other things and wrap it up um, 
you, we talked about you know your your rapid rise in popularity, and obviously it's awesome to have such a big following. Um, it definitely can be a double edged sword though too. And I know you dedicate an entire chapter of your book uh, about the haters, and uh, uh, you have to when you stand up for the lifestyle that we all love, and you're not ashamed of it, uh, and you put yourself out there, uh, you can become a target for attacks. And you've certainly had your share of everything from uh, just really mean people to uh, probably a few crazies and death threats and the whole nine yards. Um, You know, what's the status with that nowadays? Do you continue to, you know, become the subject of of these attacks? And and what's your feeling about just dealing with that and continuing to be an ambassador for hunting as you go forward? I definitely still deal with a lot of hatred because of what I do, which I find it ebbs and flows a lot. It'll come at me really heavy for a few days or for a couple of weeks. And then people, I mean, the people that are on there, I don't know, I, I think they're just out to find reasons to complain about things because then they go find something else to jump on and attack that thing for a little while. And it's something that from the very beginning, I've been aware it's going to happen. It's, it's happened on and off but over and over. And it never, I mean, it's never really anything new. It's definitely death threats. I think I got 5,000 in one day at one point when my, one of my hunts um, kind of got, went viral and got picked up and, a lot of people that would probably make them want to quit and it definitely crossed my mind as far as well maybe that's what I should do to protect myself and my family and then I thought you know what the things that I'm promoting and representing as a hunter are so positive and they're so it's not like I'm doing something where I'm kind of living on the edge and knowing I'm being a rebel I'm, I'm not doing that at all I genuinely love the lifestyle I think a lot of people could learn a lot of good lessons from the outdoor family oriented health related lifestyle being a hunter so I I decided I'm just going to stand up and I know what I'm doing is a good thing I'm not going to apologize for that I'll tell anyone who will listen that what I do is something I'm very proud of I mean we as hunters raise I think it's more than 1.6 billion dollars a year for conservation programs like there's no anti-hunter on earth that ever would do anything even close to that and that's you know you can look at the numbers and realize that what we're doing is such a positive thing in the world that all those negative comments and all the hatred I really try to brush off because in the big scheme of things hunters and I guess me personally I'm doing more for the world than if I were to quit and let those people scare me away absolutely now along with your you know your television uh, um, you know project and um your your social media following you've you've gotten quite a few endorsements within the industry as well um you know we mentioned Botech. that's a pretty big deal um when they kind of built their very first dedicated like high-end women's bow with uh with your guidance um how many years has it been now about two or three years that they've had the eva shockey signature bow tell me a little bit about that and uh you know is there like a a, a second version on the horizon or what's going on there so that would have been three seasons ago that that the eva shockey signature series came out and it was actually the first time botex ever done a signature series in general they've never done any for men or women that have our signature with someone's name on it so that was a huge honor for me definitely a huge surprise and something that I was definitely a little bit nervous about because it was a high-end women's bow and I remember asking the retail price they were planning to market it at and I just was I mean my jaw dropped thinking 
at the time thinking like, I don't think people are going to buy that. That's so expensive. Girls aren't used to paying that much for their products. The men's bows were much more than that one that they were than mine. But I just thought girls, you know, girls, our bows are always half the price and they're half the price because they're half as high end as the men's bows. And when that, when my bow hit the market, I don't know the exact numbers, but I believe it was their best selling bow for at least a year. I want to say even pushing two years just because they were right. And I mean, I was a little bit nervous about, I didn't want it to fail, but we were all on the right page of there are all these serious female archers that have just been waiting for something to come out. That's the answer to what they need because they're, they're very qualified to shoot the best product and there wasn't anything available to them. So that was something that was a huge change, I think in the archery world for women. And I still, to this day, I have people constantly tagging me pictures with using the Eva bow. And the next year, we came out with a couple different designs and I'm not allowed to say very much about it. I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to mention it, but this coming year, there's going to be some cool stuff happening with, with that bow. Well, <laughs> That's you, all I should probably say was so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> I'll probably be getting a call from Jeff Suter any minute now, but uh, that's okay because <laughs> yeah. we, we like to kind of, hey, all that does, I'll tell Jeff, I'll like, listen, she didn't let any secrets out. She just generated some excitement and enthusiasm for the new product. Yeah. Come on, Jeff. Yeah. We have to thank Jeff. And Jeff's the one that says, don't tell anybody. So I'm, I didn't tell anybody. I just, just mentioned something. Okay. Well, you didn't hear it from Eva, but there might be some exciting new stuff for 2018. <laughs> and speaking of exciting new stuff, you also are uh, a, Cabela, a Cabela's ambassador. And I understand through the grapevine that you have uh, a signature line of products coming out with Cabela's maybe like this fall. <laughs> Yes, there's actually, there's almost so much to keep up with right now in life. It's, I mean, I'm a brand new mom and I have all this stuff happening in my job and it's incredible, but I'm like you, it's just hard to keep track of all this stuff. But I do have, it's, a, it's actually a betting line. It's the Eva Shockey collection. Um, and the first set that's going to be launched will be, I think actually this weekend, it'll be officially available for pre-order and then available in September. And then there's two betting lines and they're essentially my, my personality of I love outdoors I love having a family I love home decor and it's sort of bringing the outdoors inside and this is the first time Cabela's has really taken a chance on something like this because it's really beautiful like there's not camo or anything it, it's sort of classy high-end bedding and they're going to try to see if if it's going to appeal to people and I sure hope it does well because it's the nicest bedding I've ever had it's on my bed right now wow that's really cool congratulations on that um Thank you. You know, I wanted to read, if you'd indulge me, if you're not too embarrassed, I wanted to read a little passage from your introduction that I thought kind of captures up the message of your book and maybe have you respond to that. And then we'll maybe we can wrap it up on that note, because I did promise to get you out of here in a reasonable amount of time. Is that all right, Eva? <laughs> Of course. Perfect. Okay. So this is from the introduction of her book. And uh, like I said, it's just one paragraph. And I thought it kind of kind of captured the flavor of where she's going here with, with taking aim. It says, I read somewhere that an arrow can only be shot by pulling it backward. In other words, anything worth doing in life will come with resistance. You may hunt. 
You may not, but if you've worked hard to achieve a goal or a dream, or are right now in the midst of fighting for or striving for something you believe in, you can relate to the challenges I've faced. You know what it's like to go up against the status quo. You know the discipline required, the struggle that follows. You know the detours. You know the critics who tell you to quit or that you'll never make it. You know the self-doubt that creeps in, and one day you'll know what it feels like when you wake up and realize that you've created your own life, your own future, and left your own mark on this world. Eva, you are very rapidly making your mark on this world, and uh, talk to me a little bit about what you hope people are going to take away when they read this whole book. Yeah, I love how you read that. It was so dramatic and inspiring. <laughs> I would love them. I'd love when they close that last page to just feel like there's a fire burning inside them and feel like their heart is sort of welling up because this is the encouragement and that last little push that they needed to follow something that they wanted to do. Whether whether it is, I mean, the most basic, if they are not a hunter and they've always wanted to try it, whether it's to get out there, go to an archery class, go to a hunting store, go to Cabela's, or whether they want to get a promotion or they want to quit their job because they have a passion they've always wanted to pursue. I would love, 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 love people to read this book and see through the stories. They are hunting stories, but they really do relate to everybody's life, no matter where you are in life, what stage you're at. And I'd love them to walk away and be able to go feel the confidence to follow their own unique dream at the end of the day and not have to worry about all the negativity that they were concerned about before. Mm -hmm. Well, that is a great message. And before I let you go, I'm going to tell everyone one, one more time the name of the new book. Okay, it's Taking Aim, Daring to be Different, Happier, and Healthier in the Great Outdoors by Eva Shockey. comes out August 29th. And where can people find this book, Eva, and where can they connect with you if they want more information? Um, definitely go to evashockey.com. That's my website, and it has links to where you can get the book. The cool thing is they pre-order it before the 29th, which is um, just in a couple weeks from now. They also get my free wild game recipe book, and it's not available for sale, so you have to actually pre-order Taking Aim, and then you'll get my recipe book, which has all my favorite homemade recipes that I've made up over the years. And you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, my name is pretty simple, just Eva Shockey on all those platforms. And I post every single day managing it all myself. So I'm, I'm on there a lot, talking to a lot of people. And can I pay like an extra thousand dollars and get an autograph copy? How do I do that? <laughs> I don't know what it, well, I don't know about a thousand dollars, not really necessary, but I will be doing a book tour um, in September or I guess the end of August when my book launches. I will be going around North Carolina, possibly um, Virginia a little bit or Georgia, and then I'm doing it across Texas. And then there will definitely be more tours in the future, but at this point, that's just going to be where I'll be. And if you go to Cabela's, I'm going to be pre-signing a lot of the a lot of the books that will be sold at Cabela's. So if you go there, there's a good chance you might get a signed copy from me. Gotcha. Or you can pick up a copy and go to like find out when Eva's going to be at like the outdoor expo in your area, and you can maybe have her sign it there or something too. So pretty exciting times for Eva Shockey. Well, I mean, our time went by so fast and. And I, I really can't believe it. There was a million other things I wanted to talk about. I can't believe you were just named like one of the top 10 personalities in television by Hollywood Reporter and all this other stuff. I mean, you, 
you and me both. <laughs> you're like, you're big time. And uh, I'm just proud that Peterson's bow hunting was able to get 45 minutes with, with the great Eva Shockey. This is one of my crowning achievements, Eva. Thanks so much. I appreciate you and everything that you're doing in all seriousness. I really do. Uh, and, and you are a very genuine uh, young woman. I wish you nothing but the best of continued success and all of your endeavors. I'm sure the book is going to go over uh, like wildfire. And uh, I'll be keeping my eyes uh, peeled to see what you're up to next. Kirby, well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And hopefully I'll be back with some more news this fall. Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting on your local newsstand or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com.